0: As a result of the business and the entertainment, uh, facilitated the stuff that I did that was really valuable, like, uh, like the charity runs.
1: I want to welcome someone that I've had before, not long ago actually, and many of you already know him. You saw him on TV you saw him in charity runs you've seen him in the gym you've seen him almost every place you go in Japan I am so honored to have again on our podcast Chuck <laughs> Wilson <laughs> Thank you Chuck Thank you and the best man in my I'm, wedding I'm 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 going to
0: leave I'm going <laughs> to no, no 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 no
1: So Chuck last time we didn't get to finish totally because we try to keep this to about an hour Right And I remember last time we went up to where you started Working in a gym. Right. Right? With Clark Hatch. Right. Right? And I remember, that's why I met you actually, at exactly, Clark yeah. Hatch. Because yeah. it was right next door to the American Club, which yep. we bought that property now. Yeah. But it was right next door to there. And I came over to the gym. The little skinny black guy comes into the gym, and I see this big muscular white guy, and I said, Hey, I think I want to make him my friend. So, <laughs> so <laughs> and we had something to your like regret, To your sure. regret, I'm No, 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 no. <laughs> to my benefit. And then, we started talking and we hit it off because yeah. we had something in common with the Air Force together. Yeah. And we hit that off and there was some commonality there. Um, and it was fun. We had a good time. I still remember, you may not remember this, you had a Honda too. A yep. Honda, what was it? Seven, what was 750. This? It was 750. Kay. And you gave me a ride on it once and I can't remember from where to where. If it was from Abissu back to Clark Hatch.
0: I still have the scars on my stomach, actually. Right, right,
1: should, yes, because you were riding like a bat out of hell. I'm telling you. What? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> we were going through the backside. And then you also had a, a Toyota? It uh, was a little Toyota.
0: A little, I, no, Honda. Little a Honda, 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 little Honda, Honda Civic. Civic yeah. That's right. And you yeah.
1: drove that the same way
0: you rode your bike. I was a great car. That was great. <laughs> I tell you what, all you did put gas and oil in it and that thing, you know, and it was so, you don't matter if you bumped into a few things, it was no <laughs> and, big deal. and, and you, you,
1: had the, you had the marks to show for it. Well, well
0: tell it was, you. It was, none of that was my fault. Yeah, there's that. some
1: streets here in the back, the back streets that I remember because of riding with you on your bike and in your car that I still use today over by Nishimachi, yeah. those areas, because yep. you said, okay, we don't have to go down this way, let's go down this way, the one-way streets and stuff. Yeah, the wrong way. That's right. But <laughs> well, you still did it. <laughs> always works. The wrong always, way always, always works. Always works. <laughs> so Chuck, so leaving off at Clark Hatch, tell right. us more about that. So you started with Clark Hatch.
0: Well, you know, at, at the time I was, I was in Kyoto and I was keeping up my practice with Judo. And just to pay the bills, everybody who was in Kyoto was teaching English. Um, there is no real foreign business in Kyoto. So for a non-Japanese to work there. That's one of the few options at that time. At yeah. that time, yeah, right. yeah, and it was it was uh, very lucrative actually. I was very very comfortable, I had a very comfortable living. It was fine. Uh, I was in charge of the basic uh, English training at National Panasonic, so yeah. Plus private, le- it was just great. It was doing well. Uh, I'd never been very good with money, unfortunately, but n- didn't seem no matter how much I made, it always just kind of went away. But anyways, no, but it was fine, uh, and I spent the last. The third year in Kyoto I spent almost entirely in the hospital. I had different things. I had pneumonia, I had uh, two motorcycle accidents that broke my ribs, another uh, judo accident broke my ribs, then I had knee operation, then I had two hernia operations. So I was in and out, in and out, in and out. So uh, I was getting (laughs) a little depressed. Um, I couldn't do a lot of practice judo because you get one injury, go back to Judo practice, another injury, go back in the hospital, had to take a rest, go back. Anyway, so, so as a result, I, I used the opportunity to go to language school and learn how to read or write the language because I spoke the language pretty well after about three years. Mm. Because wasn't that because of a guy
1: you were staying with? You told me there was an old Japanese guy you stayed with for a while and he was really strict with you. No. You, that was the wrong
0: story. It wasn't me. sure?
1: Yep. So no Japanese older men no. set you in the room? No. Nope and hit you over the head with a bamboo stick and told you?
0: No, there were a lot of, lot of Japanese men that hit me over the <laughs> head with the different things, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a living situation. Judo practice hall, okay. uh, right, right. The, uh, the teachers at, uh, the head teacher at uh, Dosha University where I was practicing, uh, he showed me how to choke somebody out and he demonstrated on me. And uh, when I uh, made a mistake at the uh, police school and I stood up and talked to the senseis that were kneeling down, and I got battered in the back of the head, knocked down, and said, You never talk to the sensei with your head higher than that. So, that kind of uh, instruction, uh, <laughs> you don't forget. Uh, no, no, I lived by myself. It was fine. Uh, I lived initially in a format room, so I had to kind of sleep diagonally, but that was okay. And then I had a smaller apartment, but that's besides the point. And it, no, it was very pleasant. It was very pleasant. Uh, I had a bike. The first 750 Honda that came out, I bought the first one that came off the the, the, uh, the assembly line. Yeah, assembly line exactly. And uh, I had a 250 cross country. We go up in the mountains. The friends of mine, we go in the mountains and ride. to the it was it was a fu- it was a fun. It was great. It was a great. You started riding bikes here. Had you ridden in the states? Before? Oh, I've ridden in states. Yeah, okay. yeah. The the problem was that Kyoto was was comfortable. It was too comfortable. And I didn't want to wind up my life teaching, you know, this is a pen and this is a, you know, I do not want to do that. So I, I wasn't really looking for an opportunity, but it arose, and that's when uh, a mutual friend of mine that I knew in Kyoto moved to Tokyo, was a member of Clark Hatch's gym, was talking to Clark, Clark said I'm looking for a manager, floor manager, and he said, I know somebody, and he contacted me. I came up, talked to Clark, and I got the job.
1: Now, were you working? Were you dealing with? Were you doing any weightlifting stuff in Kyoto? Oh, of course. Okay, so you're still doing that long while you were doing I've, judo. Yeah, so I've, you didn't stop from the moment you uh, got started back in the beginning. Just, in
0: fact, I did more. Right. Did okay. more. Yeah, I was doing. You know, I'd run in the morning, go to a, a, a judo practice at the Metropolitan, not the Metropolitan, the uh, Kyoto Police Academy, and then uh, go do two hours of weight training, and then go to university and do two hours of judo. And then go to Osaka teaching, Let's come back do two more hours of judo at the at the local machi dojo kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. no, I was doing a lot of judo and a lot of training. So much that a cold became pneumonia. So I didn't. really it. Right, right. You thought that you could, yeah, yeah. You thought you yeah, could beat it. Yeah. it was, you'll get over this. I get over this. You know, when you're when you're 20. That happened. When, that happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, not, and 24, 25. You're gonna live forever. I anyway. had
1: acute pneumonia. Oh yeah. So, I mean, one of my lungs was completely filled with fluid, and the other one was almost there. And he said, if you, the doctors maybe overdramatized it, but he said, if you'd have come in a day late, and I drove myself to the hospital, he said, I don't think you would have made it because I was sitting in the waiting line. You know, you had to wait in the hospital. Sure, sure, sure. I couldn't do it, Chuck. I went up to him and said, I'm sorry, I know I should, but I can't. Can I please see the doctor? He looked at me, took his pen, because he wouldn't touch me, looked under my arm a little bit, and he said, he saw my nose was sweating. He said, Do you feel faint? I said, Not until you said that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did. And then the next thing I know, I'm on this, you know, gurney, gurney, gurney being rolled out past the people who didn't care. Yeah. Ego, nothing mattered. I did not care that they were yeah. doing that.
0: So I got the opportunity to come to Tokyo and uh, interview for the job. And Clark said, Yeah, you're the fellow I'm looking for, but I'm going to open up a gym in Korea. So I'm going to be occupied with that for a while, but has nothing to do with your qualifications. I'll let you know as soon as I can. So he called me uh, about a few months later and said, uh, if you're ready, come on up. So it was fine. I mean, uh, he paid for the move. Like he paid for the down payment on the apartment. What uh, type of apartment was it this Oh, time? a small place in Megaro. Okay. Uh, 6 mat room. Uh, it did have a shower, so. Okay, which didn't, you didn't have before.
1: It didn't have before. Okay, you had a community. So yeah. Okay. Right. Or you had to go to the onsen. I mean, not the onsen, but the... The, the ofuro.
0: The ofuro, Yeah, yeah that so was fine. That was right, fine. Right. Uh, I never had a problem with that. Uh, so anyways, so it was good. And uh, I, th- Clark would say, well, look, why don't we shift this up? After a while, he said, well, you seem to know what you're doing. Uh, so look, uh, I'll do the morning shift. So he said, I'll do the morning shift from 6 o'clock until uh, 3 o'clock. And when you come back from, because I was going to judo practice at the Metropolitan Police uh, School, uh, that school, dojo. And uh, so I would come back from that around noon and work until late, and he would leave around 3 in the afternoon. So that worked out really well. And uh, we worked really well together. Uh, he, I mentioned, he, he mentioned to me once, you know, Chuck, you can leave the gym. You don't have to stay in the gym all day long. I said, yeah, but that's what you're paying me for. He said, well, yeah, but you can go out and get something to eat once in a while, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And because I just, because I loved it. I loved it. It was great. (laughs) And and the gym was, it was, number one, it was the only gym in Tokyo. That's right. That's right. And Clark had pioneered that. That was in 1965 he built the first gym after the 64 Olympics. And I came on in 73, yeah, about 73, I think. Uh, and it was still the only fitness center there were bodybuild centers and, and uh, dance studios but the total fitness center was the only place and it had to be a men's center because men and women didn't work out together uh, so we had that yeah, was great uh, had a lot of fun we had uh, uh, events every week we'd run around the palace every th- every three months every season we do some major event like go on a ski trip or a golf tournament or so it was great. Is that running around the palace where you came up with the idea for the run for the... No, what came oh. up that one of our members was president of PepsiCo in Japan. Okay. And he approached me and he said, look, you know, in the United States we have these fun runs. And I said, okay. Uh, he said, uh, can we do something here? I said, I don't know, but let me see what we can put together. So actually Clark and I, and uh, there was another uh, uh, public relations person got involved. And so we decided to put this together in this way. And I took it to the Japan Times because Japan Times was soliciting money to to buy wheelchairs to donate. And I said, look, you're soliciting money through your newspaper, but why don't you do a run and bring attention to the plight of people that need wheelchairs? And they said, well, we're not sure about this. I said, look, it's gonna be a great thing. I, I, I'm sure it will be, and it was, right off the bat, and uh, the Clark Hatch Fitness Center sponsored it. What year was this? This was ni- wow, this was had to be 1977 1970- or 78. Okay. Yeah, and you started all that.
1: Well, well it basically, was I mean, but you were this—you were the spearhead, you were the tip of all of that. Yes, you're most definitely one of the organizers. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah, the, yeah, the organizers.
0: That's right. But the uh, Chioda. Uh, um, Kai, I think that's the name. It's, it's a running group that runs around the palace. And so they were familiar with the, the route. And I knew the guy as a taxi driver. And he was doing this part-time. So we put it together. And it was kind of an ad hoc kind of thing. We just basically got people together ran around the palace. And that was it. It wasn't really sophisticated at all. But
1: then you set up. and I, I remember, that's, I think the first time I saw you was on TV. And somebody was doing it. It was a news report. And they were talking about your run. Uh-huh. And you had hundreds not a few, people. you had hundreds of people in front of you. You're standing up on the stage, speaking in Japanese, Kansai-bin, which I didn't know if it was Kansai or whatever. I just know. I said, here's this white guy speaking Japanese
0: fluently. And everybody,
1: yeah, getting excited. That oh, was great, it was great,
0: great, great. And, and we raised, I think, the first year we raised, we netted 8 million yen. Yeah, it was the first wow. year. And it was like that for the, for the next eight years, as long as I was involved. So that was fine. and. Uh, uh, Tremendous thing, uh, wheelchairs and donated to kids who really need it. Uh, it really was very, very touching. Uh, even now, talking about it, I get choked up about it because it just it was really So, how did you tie that into the foreign? What was it called? F. F. C. S. C. Well, F. C. S. C. Yeah. How'd so you that eight that? years of that, right? So during that time, uh, enter the entertainment business. <sighs> <laughs> it's just a very mixed bag, believe. But you were
1: still with, no, you'd stopped with Clark no, Action? No, no, no. You're still, still with Clark Action? Yeah, okay. Clark. So you had the run? Yeah. And the, the FC was foreign,
0: what was it called? Foreign? Oh, wait a minute, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, okay. So the, 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 the Japan Times, the Japan Times run. That was it. There was no committee. There was no committee. Right. Right. But, so, then I got involved, along with that, along with doing everything else, with all the event planning, everything we did, running a gym, and that was fine. Uh, and uh, I, went, I became partners with Clark also in, in Hong Kong and in uh, Brisbane uh, and in Texas during that time. So I all, we all, people put in like, you know, $25,000 and it was, we built these places. So yeah, it was, it was very, very busy. Uh, and then uh, in the gym, we had a, a corporate membership with Dentsu Corporation. And Dentsu Corporation handles... A lot of the PR, and, and they're hand in glove with television networks and radio kind of thing. And so they would get behind a new program, and we had a, a corporate membership. So we had like eight or ten guys that worked for Denso that came to the gym. So one of them, a fellow by the name, he said, uh, Chuck, because in the gym you're always kind of over the top, glad handing, how you doing, let's get working out kind of thing, trying to motivate people. He said, yeah, How'd you like to be on TV? I said, Not particularly. He said, do you watch TV? I did not very much. I, I'm interested in, in uh, samurai flicks. I like those, and I watch sumo, but that's about it. I don't really particularly like Japanese television. The, the, the humor is slapstick and, and uh, ridiculing others, and I just I didn't find it interesting. But the, the chambara was great. I loved it. <coughs> loved it. I, just, I watched, it all, watched it all the time. Uh, Mito Komon and then all oh, these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was great anyways so he said well we have this one show i said look i know nothing about the entertainment business or anything in anybody in the business he said well you know we have this one show and all you have to do is guess the price of something it's patterned after the price is right in the united states i said oh well i'll tell you what i'll be on your show but you have to run a tell-up when i'm on the show you have to underneath when i'm on of the azawu clark physical fitness center so the idea was to promote the fitness center if they people watched the show so it was that was the objective so and the show just went over the top it was like 29% uh, uh showed which is how many like literally everybody in this country watched that on Thursday evenings. So. And all you were
1: doing was guessing the prices of, Guess the price of
0: something. This is before the arm wrestling? Oh, the, no, it was after that. But That's the, what the, I thought. The, see, the we, arm wrestling, you already on TV. The, the see, you're, arm missing, the, you're missing parts. The, no, no. The That's where wrestling. I saw you, too. Well, the arm wrestling, Clark instigated that with Channel 12. Because oh, they God. approached him in the gyms. They were doing arm wrestling. We need two forms to stand behind and act as seconds to these people doing the arm wrestling. So you're sitting there. You're not allowed to talk or speak or do anything mm-hmm. except stand there. So you're just a, you know, just a, a a prop, so it was okay. You know, they they didn't pay you a lot of money, but you promoted Clark and me and the gym, and so that was okay. There right. was no tell up underneath. There was no advertisers but it was okay, uh, that kind of thing. But the uh, The Price is Right kind of show. So that's Takayama got how much? That was just it hit the it hit the roof. It was just amazing. Uh, seems the Japanese are uh, very very interested in money. <laughs> <laughs> like we don't know that <laughs> but uh, so you know they bring these weird uh, items in like you know how, how much does this island in Mallorca cost just off the wall kind of thing and the way you interacted with the MC this uh, Ohashi san was, was the entertainment that people watched and there were four people on the panel and there was Bita Geshi and there was Ishizaka Koji and then there was uh, myself and uh, Kent Delegate. No. Gilbert? Gilbert, Ken Gilbert. Ken Gilbert, okay. So he was on two days a month, and I was on two days a month. And then there were guests, two guests that came on as well, uh, generally from the entertainment industry. And so I was on once, and uh, I joked around. And my language in Japanese is, um, well, I can speak polite Japanese, obviously. But it's been reinforced with relationships with police and, and judo players who come up from the riot police. It's rough language, you know, so uh, I used that on television. And I kind of got a reputation, Kent was always very polite. He learned Japanese from whatever and he, he learned it in school and he spoke basically the normal Japanese polite language. And I wasn't. I was very, very rough. Uh, and it's, it's almost, almost profanity, but not quite. Anyway, so I talked to Ohashi Kiyosan, who was like the Johnny Carson of Japan. And it was very disrespectful. But everybody loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I said, hey, Turkey, come on, set some, will you please explain this stuff? You're, you're not doing your job, come on. And, and they just loved it, they just loved it. So I didn't, I thought it was going to be a one-shot. And then they said, look, that was great. Why don't you come back next week? <laughs> I said, Really? Yeah. I said, And here's the money for today. Wow. I said, Oh, well, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> and you'll still do the telepromote the center. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So every other Saturday, you go, there's no preparation. You just go in cold and you do this show and you guess the price of whatever's on. So no coaching, nothing. And it was just, you know, fun kind of thing initially. Well, the entertainment industry in this country once you've achieved a certain level of recognition they want you on everything they want you on everything every you know cooking shows and athletic shows and 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 fashion shows <laughs> every and all of a sudden you're authority on anything you know we'd like to tell we'd like to lend can you please tell us how to build a nuclear device well sure i can do that <laughs> it's, 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 it's off the charts so then uh, uh, Hisamatsu san, who was the guy from Dentsu, said, Well, look, are you interested in the entertainment industry? Well, I guess, you know, if you get, it promotes the center, it promotes the business. And if it promotes me, yeah, but that promotes the center. So, all right, sure. He says, Well, look, then you need to talk to, you need to have a manager. So, the old manager of Ohashi Kyo office, office, named Kondo san, and we got together and we made a contract. And the contract said that he would do whatever he could to promote me in different shows. And I stipulated the contract, I will have the final say-so on what show I will be on and what show I will not be on because I've got other things to do and what I will do and what I will not do. Because they wanted me to advertise alcohol and being drunk while I was doing it and and cigarettes. And I said, I can't do that. I can't do that. Personally, I don't want to do that. Professionally, I can't do it. So anyways, and it it was okay um, until it wasn't. So the problem was we all require verification to our worth and our ability. We all do that. We all do it in different ways. The fitness business is very much about that. It's very much people doing physical physical effort to build their own sense of their own value uh, in their own eyes. They don't, if they do it with weight training, they don't have to solicit that tap on the shoulder from somebody else they know what they can do and it enhances their feelings of what they can do of their own value i mean you and i talked about this a lot a long time ago and so that's the business really i'm in fitness and health yeah but the real reason why people adhere to it is because of that uh, feeling of that they are enhanced personally that they are better stronger and that they can and they carry that over into other aspects of their life as well well the entertainment industry Is that on steroids everybody thinks you the greatest thing since white bread I I can't tell you you walk into a a restaurant and if you were standing in they would knock everybody out of line say you first we got your table ready it would it was just everywhere you went would you like a seat Uh, it was just just amazing it was it was and it in the positive aspects is it lended a sense of confidence to me to eventually go out on my own and start my own business because working with Clark was great I mean I learned a lot from the man and, and Clark was a visionary he, he started the fitness industry not only in, in, in Japan but in Asia and he's still a driving force in the fitness business and we had managerial meetings uh, he, he ran it well in Clark's position it was Kind of like my way or the highway kind of thing. He was very, very adamant you do things my way. Even though you are an equal partner, it never was really equal. And so in that respect, you could uh, always work for Clark. But working with Clark had certain limitations. You could only work with Clark if it was done his way. And for a lot of people, that worked out really well. And for me, it worked out really well, uh, until it didn't. Mm-hmm. So the good thing about the entertainment industry, it gave me the confidence to believe in my own ability, uh, above and beyond just the weight training and the athletic. But Is that faculty. when you guys split? Yeah, well, that was kind of a mixed thing. Uh, Clark, a lot of people who saw me on television and they were not particularly impressed and they were members of the gym, and what they wanted was me there at the gym teaching them what to do. And I said, no, I'm going to do this. And so they put a bug in Clark's ear and said, this guy is, you know, he's, uh, he's uh, looking to, to you know build himself up kind of thing. And, he's, and Clark confronted me and says, what are you going to do? Are you going to be a gym owner or are you an actor? And I said, well, I don't see why you can't do both. So we hit a compromise initially. We, I put up, I, we, Another person came in from the United States. He was a manager. I was the owner uh, with Clark and uh, that worked out all right but it wasn't the same and so eventually Clark said look this is not working. How long how long did, were you able to do it that way? Not very long actually okay. maybe a couple years. Okay. Then he said look he says why don't I uh, why don't we just uh, go our separate ways. Part of it was all of that the recognition that I received that uh, he felt detracted from my performance at the gym and my presence. And I, I have to give him, it's, it's true. At one point, it did, I should have spent more time at the gym. Uh, but again, the entertainment interest is, is very alluring because of all this buildup. You're just the greatest thing. To, and it was just, it was, it was very, very, and it, I tried not to let it go to my head but it's almost impossible for it not to go to your head, a little bit. Fortunately, I had my feet firmly in the judo world and in powerlifting. Uh, My wife was very, very uh, supportive, but not, you know, I go home and tell you, yeah, well, you gotta take out the trash, you know. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, she she kept kept you. She
1: She kept kept you uh, in reality, right?
0: Yeah, so that was, it was was okay. So finally, uh, Clark and I said, well, look, we, we, um, Clark, he said, why don't you just do what you want to do and, but, I'll buy you up, and it was very fair. Give me a very good price, so I said okay. So I started my company, uh, Chuck Wilson Enterprise, which I still have. And uh, at that time, I thought it was a great opportunity in Japan because that was the beginning of the bubble. And as you were, so we're
1: talking mid late eighties, late eighties, early uh, early nineties. Early 80s. 80s so okay.
0: 1983. Right, because it lasted for a
1: decade, almost two decades. Yeah. yeah. Just one decade, yeah.
0: Uh, one really. And that was land speculation. That's right. And with land speculation came with this. What? With land oh, speculation. Oh, that's right, that's
1: right. Because all this was not a at that time. You yeah. had all these people, farmers, selling all their land to banks for, you know, phenomenal yeah. amounts. And they were really yeah. coming out, But they had no knowledge.
0: If, if you had a piece of land, uh, and you know, right? You buy, you buy a piece of land for a million yen today, you sell it for tomorrow for three million yen. So money was just floating all around, very, very easy money. And the banks supported it, unsecured loans, which they're still paying for. Uh, and the government supported it, tremendous influx of tax money for the government. Was just, everybody was making a huge amount of money. Uh, Ezra Vogel said Japan's management style, man, you know, Japan's management style <laughs> was, <laughs> was, <laughs> was land speculation. Anyways, so the thing is fitness... Centers boomed. and The reason that fitness centers were prolific, there were like 450 fitness centers being built a year for 10 years. Just If you had a piece of land and you wanted to develop the land and you wanted to put a building on the land uh, to avoid, because if you just kept the land, you were taxed exorbitantly. But if you built a building on the land your tax obligation went down a bit but it took you time to get the approval from the government to build the building but if you had a fitness center in the building you got approval right away now what can i say
1: okay
0: i don't know why but that's what happened that's why they all okay so people said great well what we'll do is i'll i'll build a fitness center so they in one of the building they have a very small room and they put a machine and that's our fitness center and they knew nothing about what they were doing, which was great for me because then I started, because then they came to me and said, how do you run a fitness center? <laughs> and you know, I went to Clark, uh, this, when this started, the people came to Clark, said, you know, we're building build a building center here, can you help us out? It was an opportunity, I think, for Clark that he decided not to take advantage of. He had his own ideas about what, and then you know, his, his, his uh, uh, gyms now, The total value, I think he makes, he grosses like $35 million a year. So he did the right thing uh, for him, but not necessarily for the people that were working with him. It was very, very much Clark Hatch, which was fine. You know, if I was in a position, I might have done the same thing. But for me, I said, well, maybe I want to try to take advantage of this boom. And people came to me and paid me a great deal of money. To build them, fitness centers. So that's what I did from 1983 until 1990. Uh, I built. We built. We built. We we did the market survey. We did the the business plan. We worked with construction people. Uh, we did concept analysis. We built, operated, staffed about 25 different fitness centers all over the country. And the idea was we built them, we'd staff them, we'd run them for three years, and then we hand it back over to the people. And then if they kept us on as an advisory, that was fine, but we want, I wanted to expand. I did not want to work in one fitness center, which had a, a substantial membership. When Clark moved to Hawaii back in 19, wow, I, around 1978, he moved to Hawaii to set up his major uh, uh, headquarters. These opportunities were, were manifesting. So I'd ask, like, you know, i think mm-hmm. we're, we're thinking about, you know, building these things. What do you think about this? What are, he said, No, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. So I said, Okay. So, but in around 1983, people, more and more people, are coming to, me to do that. I said, okay, well, we'll do it. So we did, and that the the entertainment industry and the Chuck Wilson name facilitated that which was, uh, and I told people, don't rely on the name, rely on how it's operated, but they didn't. And so we did whatever we could, but most of our places were successful. Some of the places relied totally on the name were not. Uh, and that was okay.
1: Um, By this time, you had how many books out? How many gyms? How many oh, books? books? Wow, well,
0: that's another Because you were writing thing. books, too.
1: Yeah, you know, I know I remember still, but I, but you had a lot of books out with your name and
0: your face on them. Six. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of books. <laughs> uh, and I wrote the books in English and they right, were translated. Right. But it was all about fitness and health. And uh, there was no, it was, but it, more, it was more of a how-to kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So and that facilitated, the, everything worked symbiotically. Everything worked. So the entertainment industry uh, promoted the name and the, the business. And the business facilitated uh, more introduction, more more expanded the network of people that I knew. Uh, And everything was coming up roses. Uh, I wanted to write a book. The advantage for me personally, for the entertainment industry was you could do anything, anything you wanted to do. What do you want to do, Chuck? Well, you know, I'd like to write a book. Let's write a book. (laughs) Okay. So I wrote a book about fitness and health. It was very much a how-to kind of thing. Uh, And it went to uh, uh, one of the major publishing houses and got it published. And it was pretty good, 15,000 copies, which is kind of a bestseller in Japan. There were no other books like that. Now there are a lot. Uh, And then there were a few more. So six books altogether in Japanese. uh, And I proofread all of them, made sure it was okay, and that was fine. Uh, And then... uh, the bottom fell out. This is
1: 1990. 1990. See, I think we got hit at the same time. This is just at the beginning of the Gulf War. When that hit, I remember watching my TV and sitting up in my beautiful multi-level, two-level apartment, <laughs> which is no joke. And I had two other apartments in ABU and my cars and stuff. And I'm watching my 39-inch Mitsubishi TV, which was the biggest they had at that time and I see these tanks out in the desert and they start talking about the Iraqi war. And they said, looks like this might be the start of World War III. And I said, that's a shame people, you know, I had my arms across my my couch, it's a shame people have to fight nowadays because I I had scanners in the warehouse, I'm ready to, the mother load's gonna come in. Yeah. All of a sudden I hear the fax. And I thought, World War III? And as soon as I heard that, I said, because my business at that time, the scanner business, was like the diamond business, just word of mouth. There's no letters of credit. Yeah, yeah. You say you're going to buy it, I trust you. Because then we're talking about large amounts.
0: Yeah. And I
1: went no, and exactly what I thought. The guy, all the facts came in. Lands were going to hold off for a while. Yeah,
0: yeah. That yeah. means
1: we're not we're holding on our money because we think World War III is going to happen. They heard the same time I did. And I went no, no, no. this was going to be the mother load. This was going to be the one that's going to put me over the top.
0: Well, your business, Sheesh. your business was certainly, especially uh, the countries and the people you were dealing with, uh, certainly were uh, understandably concerned. Uh, in here, uh, the government saw the land prices were escalating so so high that it was people couldn't afford to buy anything, so they put the clamps on. They said, if you buy a piece of land, you got to hold it for three years. Same thing. Yeah. And boom, mm. and everything fell apart. Uh, my business was doing very, very well. We were almost a million-dollar company. Almost. Just, just. Just you could taste it. Yeah, you could taste it. just, you know, I had the letters of intent to contract. it just everything. And, you know, you, you get to a point where you're afraid to answer the phone, right? <laughs> say, Oh, we're going to put this off for a while. Now, we've changed our plan. Oh, you mean after,
1: yes. Oh, man.
0: Yeah, no, happened? we can't do this. No, 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 this, uh, uh, certainly the, the war. Now, the had you done what a
1: lot of people do, including myself, spent as if you were already going to have that money? Put no. You, I mean, not spend it, but put yourself in a situation where, you know. You
0: we had, well, I had 20 employees. That's from well, that kind of thing. Yeah, That's which were obligations. I had three apartments. Yeah. So, yeah, and, you know, you had to, uh, but I was, I was doing okay. Uh, there were, even though the new contracts were stopped, the old contracts in terms of, of people that we sent and to operate those places, they stayed. But the, to build new ones, uh, that didn't work. And some of them were just a, a tremendous amount of money. You know, $50 million for, uh, for uh, NTT's uh, golf fitness center. Anyway, so, and I tried to be, I tried to discourage people, Was we did market service, and Look, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, anyways. So it was because money was so cheap. So they would just borrow and borrow and borrow and borrow, and like, you know, 2% interest, and they didn't worry about it. Well, no, we didn't do that. We never borrowed any money. So we worked on a cash, cash basis. And so we were doing okay, except that we had obligations. And so... Uh, you know, I was firmly away from the car culture. The trouble is, the internet entertainment business took a dive as well because no nobody was paying what they used to pay for sponsors on television, and that's what drove the the uh, television shows. You know, the entertainment business here is is hand in glove with uh, televisions, uh, manage, uh, uh, offices that handle certain types of entertainers, and uh, and and the television. Uh, channel 12, channel 10, channel 8, all these channels and channels, and, and people like Denson. So they work hand in glove. Uh, very little recorded monies, except what you have to pay taxes on. So uh, when I may make contact with them, they said, well, we'll I have finally say so in, in what we do. But at, uh, when the bubble burst, they said, well, Chuck, this, that television show is no longer around. Okay, and a lot of people who worked for these managerial offices uh, were upset because they weren't getting any work and the work they were getting, they didn't feel they were getting paid what they said the television was paying these offices. A lot of scandals involved. I didn't worry about it. It was fine. Uh, And again, uh, but everything collapsed in, in 1990. I remember the day, actually, it was June 15th, 1990. Uh, I was sitting in my office going over all the contracts and and all that we had to do to make sure those contracts came to fruition. And uh, the phone calls started coming in. And uh, by June 30th, uh, nothing.
1: 15 days later.
0: 15 days later. It was just immediate. When the the government put in these regulations, you had to hold on to the property. So how did you deal with that, mentally? I deal with it mentally. Well, I didn't have time to worry about it. I was trying to, wear the, I was just trying to figure out a way to pay the bills. So you didn't, you know, curl up in a ball and you know throw your hands up.
1: You didn't feel like you wanted to.
0: No, nah, uh, I had a choice, really. Right. Failure was never an option, uh, and everything else, uh, as a result of the business and the entertainment, uh, facilitated the stuff that I did that was really valuable, like uh, like the charity runs, for example. Uh, so to get back just for a second to that, because of my involvement in the entertainment industry, uh, the FCSC came to me and said, "Would you like to be on our committee?" That's how it started. Yeah. Okay. A fellow by the name of Jim Adachi, who was a lawyer. Right. Uh, he said, "Yeah, we uh, collect funds for the YMCA." I said, "What does the YMCA do with those?" Well, they they sponsor these camps for physically and mentally handicapped kids. It's great. I said, so "We solicit donations." I said, how are you doing on that? And then, well, now that the, uh, yeah, there's a lot of money floating around, but people are still reluctant to donate. It was primarily uh, supported by foreign corporations as opposed to the Japanese corporations. And they said, well, he said, now that you're on television a lot, uh, would you like to help solicit donations? I said, you know, I really think that's a tremendously inefficient way of doing things. I said, but I tell you what, I have an eight-year experience with Japan Times, I could do the same thing for you, it's Really? Easy. yeah. So I put together a thing, and I took it to YMCA, And because uh, they had to get approval. They to do it. And they said, well, you know, we're not sure we can do this, I said, why not? They said, well, there's already one charity run in Tokyo. I said, yeah, I know, I know, that's the Japan Times charity run, yeah. And he said, but they do that in, in the spring. That's right. We can do this one in the fall. Well, we're not sure. I said, look, it's, it, I know it boils down to money. I'll tell you what. I'll give you two million yen. And if it fails, you keep the money. And if it succeeds, you give me back the money. He said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so first year, another like seven, eight million yen net. Uh, tremendous success. Uh, and that was the Tokyo Run. And Tokyo for three years. And then I was a member of the committee, and the committee was was, was very some very committed people, five ambassadors, heads of major corporations, but they had no idea how to implement things in the Japanese society. Uh, It was all non-Japanese members kind of thing, but I did. So the first charity run I think held in, uh, wow, I think 1970, maybe 1980. I'm, I'm, I'm fuzzy on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm living in Yokohama now. So uh, this was after about, oh, wait a minute now. So 19, now this was 1987, like, I think, was the first one. So the line of late. Because I know that I moved down to Yokohama in 1989, 1990, 1990. Uh, this related to the other businesses were falling apart. Mm-hmm. So I had to move. I moved down to Yokohama for another reason, because I started working in Nagoya. Anyways, so I was in, the, in Yokohama, and I took, and I was working in Nagoya. So I said, well, I'll take this to the Nagoya YMCA. What go you we do that? I said, no, no, Nagoya, Nagoya will never work. So all the members of the community, 25 guys, say, no, Chuck, it won't work. I said, what do you mean it we'll won't work? Well, give it a shot. What do you have to lose? You guys don't have to do anything. I'll go down there and do it. I'll sell it. I said, well, we don't think. Oh, Nagoya, come on. All right, no. All right. So there's a fellow who kind of started the YCAC, a fellow named Kendrick. And he said well look chuck did all right let's give him a shot okay nagoya was a tremendous success made more than tokyo did so then uh i was working in nagoya and i was living in yokohama and i said well I'm living in yokohama i always trying to try yokohama ymca too so and then i took that to the committee and the committee says and they just started laughing they chuck nagoya okay but yokohama come on yokonama is like they come to the tokyo run i said yeah but they might want to do one on the road now nah. i said Give me a shot. Come on, give me a shot, guys. Because I couldn't do it without their approval. Yokohama Run was successful. So they said, well, okay. So with these three runs, I made, I made the committee more money than all 25 people <laughs> with their donations. And it provided for longevity. So all of a sudden, I had credibility, which was fine. And the YMCA was very happy. The, I had an idea to put a, a run in every city in, that has a YMCA in Japan. So, they had the, the, uh, the Rijikai, all of the heads of the YC, YMCAs got together in Tokyo. And I attended the meeting and I said, uh, listen to everything. And I raised my hand and I said, My name is, yes, we know. Thank you for your work in Tokyo and Yokohama. I said, Look, we've got a good thing going here. Okay, it seems to be taking off. People are very supportive. Volunteer people are very, very supportive. It's a great run. Uh, we've refined it. Why don't we do it in every city that has a YMCA? So everybody started looking down at the table. I said, okay, what's the problem? Because I'll say it's gotta be money. <laughs> it's gotta be <laughs> money. As well, Chuck, one guy who had had a little braver than everybody else said, look, Chuck, anything we do, anything, anything we do at the local YMCAs, 70% has to be sent to Tokyo. So the head of the YMCAs was there, this fellow Iguchi, I said, Iguchi, what's the story of that? He says, well, there are a lot of YMCAs. And so we try and spread out the profit to all to all the YMCA's get benefit, a little bit of benefit. Okay, so I understand that's kind of a socialistic, but that's fine. The local YMCA's are disincentivized because they work hard and they only keep 30% of their... I tell you what, why don't we switch that around? Why don't you, why don't you keep 70% at the local YMCA that does the work and send 30% to Tokyo? I think that's a good idea. So all the guys... Yeah, that's a good idea. We can do that. And I say, don't you think that's a good idea? 30% and you got more runs, you get more money long term. Otherwise, it's going to stop. You only go to do 70% of three runs or 30% of 30 runs. What do you think? So no, oh, it's good. Idea. Good. OK, we're all set. And that's how it started. And now we have 20 runs in 20 different cities. There we go. But that was then. The economic bubble, when it burst, it didn't affect that very much at all, actually. The runs were still conducted. And that was, for me, in the, enter- the Japanese entertainment industry, it went from the price is right to uh, sumo, sumo contests and all kinds of stuff that was okay. And you know, I, I'm sure, I don't know if it's just anybody or it's just me, but I used to be a very, very open, fun loving, you remember the Clark Hatch, right? Uh, not that way anymore. You think it's because you
1: had so many people coming at you from different directions. You lost a lot of your privacy from being on TV and everyone knowing you and thinking they know you. Thank you. They think they know you.
0: So you make you make a fool right. of yourself on television yeah, and they and think people, that, they, that's they who do you that. are.
1: They think, yeah, or
0: they, you go through a stage fight and they think that's who you are.
1: Yeah, right, right, right. And... Uh, so you must have a great deal of respect for people that are in that business when you watch them, all, you see any of them, you know, the, the famous people we know, the Jack Bennys, the Bob Hopes, the, the Frank, you know, the, those guys that had to be there every single second. And America at that time was the way Japan is now, starstruck.
0: Well, again, that's why I said, part of it's me. Uh, there are some people who just thrive, who love it. I remember, I, heard, I saw an interview with Julia Roberts once. And some interviewer asked me "Do you have problems with all this adoration and so attention?" says, "What problems with it? Come on, hey, I'm making I'm, I'm making a tremendous living. I'm having a great lot fun. I've got contract. I'm doing great. I just I just love it. No, I have no problem with it at all. But I did. So now I'm I'm uh, when I work with people, it's fine. Like you and I talk, and that's fine. And so you and I go back a long ways. And." we are fully aware of all the different things that we've been through. Uh, But everybody else isn't. And a lot of people have a secondary agenda. And a lot of people who approach me uh, think that they, especially Japanese, think that they gain some benefit from being associated with me. That's okay when it facilitates a greater good like the charity runs. But one to one, I don't think, and and you got to be careful because sometimes you're manipulated into a situation where you got to be awfully cautious, uh, where they want to capitalize on you for do something something nefarious. I'm not very good. Uh, we've both been there, so you have to be cautious. Uh, so I'm I'm very very closed when I'm out in public. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, f- a friend of mine says, "Why are you? When you walk down the street, you it seems like you're." Uh, you're just waiting for the opportunity to impose a sense of physical violence on everybody walking <laughs> towards you. You're, you're very intimidating. I said that's not my purpose. He said I just want people to leave me alone. I don't want people to come near me. But uh, you've always
1: had a little bit of that. That didn't, even before you got on TV. No, you were well. In all honesty, the Chuck I know, even before anyone really knew you outside a little bit on TV, you were. Always ready to take somebody's neck off if they came to the wrong uh, way. Oh, well. You've always written, no, you've always had that. I've had, okay. I've always had that.
0: Uh, I carry, and okay, I, I carry a lot, I've got a lot of baggage. I fully, <laughs> I fully understand
1: that. But you sure did knock a couple of holes in doors and walls and so wait wait, 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 wait. Only
0: one hole. In the door. <laughs> okay, I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but no, 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 no. Uh, uh, Lance, I spent most of my life. Uh, um, learning how not to be afraid. You told
1: me that, right, growing up. And that's during your emotional, that's, that's the most important time in your life. That's how you start to see yourself. Your emotional makeup comes at that time.
0: And then, yeah, yeah. in order to overcome that, I devoted a great deal of time to studying how to uh, take physical advantage of another person. Then I went to, when I went to the Metropolitan Police School to study, and it is, it's a practice hall. And these are uh, arguably some of the best judo players in Japan at that time, at that time. Uh, and it was the most brutal practice in Japan. had a rep. Uh, it was they call "kenka judo," which means you were playing, you were not playing judo, you were fighting judo. And it was brutal. I mean, There are chokes and and joint locks and throws uh, that you employ in judo to defeat an opponent. Well, but normally if the opponent taps or gives up you let him go. (laughs) Well at the case show they choke you whether you tap out or not and they choke you to your unconscious and they Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of brutality involved and uh, and I wasn't the only person the college students went there were shaking in their boots because they knew they were, and you know, of the 10-man Keisjo team, five were world champions. Very, very uh, good players, besides being brutal. From the time I arrived in Tokyo and got my introduction to go there, when I went there, every day they said, when are you leaving? And I said, I'm not leaving. And I said, well, we'll see about that. And they did their best to convince me to leave. And all it did was make me much stronger And for the purr for the first, when I was 27, it took me about six years for my hands to stop shaking before I went to practice and for my teeth to stop chattering because I knew I was going to (laughs) get the whatever (laughs) beat out of you. But after a while, you learn. And I managed to return the compliment. You know something, Chuck, before we wrap up,
1: because we're going to have to, there's one thing that I, I realized that I think that you benefited from that a lot of people, before they get it put in a situation like that, don't benefit from. Even though the Air Force basic training is like a accelerated Boy Scout camp compared to the sure, Marines sure. and the Army, you still find out what you can take. You bet you find out what you can take. And absolutely. that's six weeks when we went in. We only had six weeks, everybody else had eight weeks. Now I think everyone has eight weeks. But you find out what you're made out of. Will you give up? Are you gonna you know, become a wimp and be tossed out? So to go to that, you, you, you knew coming in that you're gonna be tested. And then you already knew what you're made of and it didn't matter how much they hit you because you said, I'll
0: take it. Yep, absolutely. And if you don't you, kill me; I'm still going to come the next day. There's the, the, the only one small drawback: is pretty soon, once you learn how to give it back, you start to enjoy it.
1: I know that. I
0: know. Yeah, I know. That's so, what happened to me in martial arts. Yeah. So I just. So I. I try. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very, very. calm. I'll avoid any any possible mm-hmm. confrontation. But, now. You know. Now, yeah. Now, because you're <laughs> seventy years old, me too. You just may not have the reflexes you think you do. <laughs>
1: Wait. no, no, when you're young. No, 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 all that, that testosterone was, coming through. But was now, a, you might make a miscalculation. That was another <laughs>
0: error. <laughs> anyway, you know. so after all this, so in 1990 when everything burst, and I went to Nagoya. I worked for a company that sold equipment but did to you, hospitals. You, moved, you and Nancy went there? You just stayed, you oh, kept her no, no, here? Oh, no, no, Nancy was here, and I negotiated okay, a contract. Right. I went there Monday through Friday. They put me up in hotels. It was fine. I, I took over a couple of companies to to sell exercise equipment to hospitals and clinics. It worked out pretty well. Uh, Five years contract, five years, and and it paid the bills for five years, and then it didn't. And then they said, well, thank you very much, but thank you very much. And so, to speed this up, because we were running out of time, in 1995, I built a hospital-based fitness facility in Ibiragi. And that was to uh, cater to people who were not healthy because fitness is about basic people who are pretty healthy, but they just need to be more healthy or more. So you're fit. talking about rehabilitation. Type no, thing. It no, was, not that, no, it was not that. A lot of people say that. But it wasn't. It wasn't really because rehabilitation is com- is done by the hospitals, but you only have a certain amount of time, and then you're kind of left to your own devices. So what this was was after that, then you get so to PT. The next stage. Yeah, physical therapy. Um, oh, no, it wasn't physical. You have to be a physical therapist to do that. Right. But yeah. it was exercise regimen. But it was not like the normal fitness exercise regimen for hi- hypertension, hypertensive people, high blood pressure, and, and uh, pre-diabetic, and uh, overweight. And just generally, because the average age now, is like, the average age of the member out there is like 73. Basically, as people get older, uh, their muscular capacity diminishes so much. And now, most authorities, including the WHO, recommend uh, Weight training, resistance training, over aerobic conditioning. That's right, and so
1: particularly as you're getting older, yeah, exactly, it's more yeah. important.
0: So you know, I, I put in my two hours a day, uh, and I go out there uh, once a week, and uh, t- and coach people and teach people how to do it, and that's all fine, and uh, I'm still doing that. That's the one thing that I've maintained. Uh, that's still very, very worthwhile.
1: Well, not that. Do you also teach judo? You never stop teaching judo.
0: I teach you judo with kids. You I just teach, teach kids judo here at the American Club and right. at the YCAC, and I'm starting adult class here at the American Club okay. on Monday evenings for all of mm. you people who like come right. on Monday right. evenings. or adult class. Uh, for thirty years, I taught the Imperial Guards Judo Club and Kendo Club. Uh, recently, there was a somewhat of an incident, and I felt that I had to uh, withdraw, so I quit uh, after thirty years. But it wasn't that bad of an incident. But it was more my interpretation. I, you know, you know me. I carry a lot of baggage, and somebody just pushed the wrong button,
1: yeah, and I said,
0: "Okay, right. I can't do anything about this except retreat." And I've always had a problem with authority. I remember, remember the Chamber of Commerce. There was a, gu- we, you know, I, I started the small business committee at the Chamber. Of Commerce. And you know that changed it too? huh? You started that? Yeah. And you came up with the name, Small Business. Right.
1: You know who changed the name to mm. what it is now? No. Me. Oh, really? Because I said, all businesses, I said, the problem with it being... You're well, the, guy. And, I, you're the <laughs> guy. and I didn't know you were the one that started that because that's interesting coming to this past. I'm on that committee as a small business person, and I said, but all, because I had the scanner business too, and I'm making more money than most of the guys in there. And I said, just because the business is small does not mean that it doesn't have a lot of money. So we should change the name from small business and, you know, business committee to independent business committee. Oh, yeah. And I'm the one that changed the name.
0: Turkey. And I had to change. (laughs) change. That's right. That is right. Well, at the time, uh, Barney Williamson, who worked for Hercules Far East, he was a member of the fitness center. And I I kept complaining to him. and said, yeah, your chamber of commerce is great, but it's all like, you know, for for people on the first tier of the the soccer chain. We were small guys. Don't get a chance. So Why don't you start something? Okay, I will. So I did. And it was myself and Hart uh, uh, Dake. Oh, God. I'm out of the past. He used to run English... Say his name because I might know him. Hart Dake. No, I don't think Heart he's alive okay. anymore. Right. He used to run the <laughs> English language school down by Tokyo Station. And I was... He had some people come in for strike breakers. And I came in and broke up the strike breakers. Okay. But that's another story. Right. Uh, so anyways. Uh, and Bob... Uh, uh help me help me help me you the you not you beverage no, no 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 not beverage um. uh, <laughs> but the guy who's doing this uh, uh you're the diamond in the rough and we'll pick and bring the diamond remember you told oh, me no no
1: no okay wait no okay um don't say his name <laughs> yes you told me don't get involved with him uh, yeah cuz yeah. you saved me um you remember i was going to get involved with um the guy with the diamonds yes 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 and you said Lounge. <laughs> do you it. said you said don't do it if it if it walks like a duck and it quacks like it's a duck. to <laughs> no. do and I didn't, and he got burned right after
0: that. You bet, you bet. Got no. burned right after not that. Not only that, a lot of guys got burned. Sheesh. That was Toyota. It sure you. Was. That was a huge scandal. Remember, I said, bring me the diamonds. I'll right. get them accessed. <laughs> bring me the diamonds. I mean, no diamonds, just the tip. That's right. No, not the paper, not the diamonds. Bring me the diamonds. Right. Yeah. Me the diamonds. I Anyways, yeah, we've been. Yeah, That's we've right. been We lot. sure have. Yeah. So, anyway, all right. so all, all that. Right. So then, uh, after that, that was kind of it. Uh, the hospital is still going. Um, palace guards, I had to withdraw from that. Well, was what is that was unfortunate. The imperial guards. Okay. I had to withdraw from that. You decided to withdraw. I decided to withdraw. Okay. Uh, the reason I bring up the chamber of commerce, there, there was one guy of chamber of commerce. So, you know, we, you know, the white paper that the chamber of commerce. That's right, we do And so th- at that time, the Small Business Committee was, build- was, writing one. And we were progressing, we had a deadline, we're fine. So he called me on the phone, I was in the gym, and he said, uh, he says, Chuck, how are you doing on that white paper? I'm doing okay. Yeah, I said, well, no problem, we'll be there, we'll be ahead of the schedule, we're ahead of schedule. He says, well, you know, you gotta press these people's buttons. I said, excuse me? He says, you gotta press these people's buttons, get them get going, get this thing going, just like I'm pressing your button. And I said, I think his name was Mark, I says, Mark, you try and press my button, and I'm gonna rip off your arm and beat you with <laughs> it." I, didn't, I don't get along with, right. I don't get along. Right. With. Right. I've, I'm very happy that I never entered a corporation. I mean, I'll right. be my own. But well, I'm you glad. did, you did.
1: The largest in the world called the U.S. military. Yeah, well. And you found out right then, okay, I, I can do this, but only because you guys have me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, if, know, know well they are, you know, if you don't, they shoot you. So you know. They can, or, or in prison, you're <laughs> right. <laughs> so, not no. like but that was it. And then 20 years ago, I started the, the personal training because somebody approached me. I came out against personal training in the fitness business show. I did. I came out against it. It's not a good idea. Because, because in a fitness center, people who join a fitness center, the unspoken contract is, the fitness center says, we will take care of you. This is the money you pay to enter. This is the money you pay in a monthly dues. But for that, we will take care of your needs. We will give you what you have to know. And you enter on that basis. And then they say, but <laughs> if you really want to know, or if you want to get any instruction, you have to talk to a personal trainer.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And that, <clears throat> in my mind, is disingenuous. Now, I understand that's how things are done now. I understand that many people want personal training. And that's OK. If they're given a choice, they can choose to be taught by the staff at the fitness center, or they can choose to be taught by a personal trainer. But if you only have the personal trainers, you don't have it. You're robbed of choice. That bothers me. I and so I came out against it. What it really is, what it really is, is an economic advantage for the fitness center. Because now they don't have to hire people, train them, and have them quit three months later. Hence, anytime fitness. Hence, Anytime Fitness. But Anytime Fitness has no
1: instruction whatsoever. After a certain time. They, they, have a, well, they tell you how to work the machine, but they will not sit with you and stay there. Exactly. They'll tell you. They'll take you through it because I belong to Anytime Fitness as well as this gym as well as another place. But you're right. They they have a time. I think they stop at 7. They start at 10, stop at 7. There's nobody in there. And you can go in your
0: own. So, I, but but people came to me and said, I want to do this, please show me what to show me, what to show me. So, so, yeah, for now, for now, actually, you know, nobody wants to build a fitness center anymore. And they're pretty, doing pretty good at building a fitness center now as it is, so they don't really need what I have to offer. Uh, judo classes are fine. So, I'm, I'm getting, I'm still putting in my, you know, 12 hours a day. Uh, is that what you see for the foreseeable future? Oh, I'll die in the gym. Yeah, okay. You know, I just, uh, uh retirement has never ever ever been an option for there me there you go i, feel, I
1: think but my, it is for me but it's called exhaling that last breath get, that's, get. That's when I'm i get
0: plenty of time to rest that's <laughs> right that's right you can know, right. you know, go to that big tatami in yeah. the sky kind of thing you yeah know. but no i know i a matter of fact i'm starting new stuff uh the power lifting tournament in, in the attack i'm going to run that okay i didn't hear about that you you didn't hear about it, that.
1: tell us where we tell us where, we, where you are right now let's okay
0: let's so back right back. now uh I teach uh, kids judo down at the YCAC in Yokohama. I do some personal training uh, at the YCAC in Yokohama. I still have the hospital-based fitness center in Ibaragi that I go out to uh, once a week. I teach personal training here at the Tokyo Marin Club. uh, I'm gonna run, i prepared all the things you have to do to run a powerlifting contest here in October, I think, uh, early October for both men and women uh, both men and women and not a lot of mm-hmm. women that do it but yeah they're all welcome certainly right. but it's rigid and I wanted I, I tried to hold a seminar about powerlifting what you have to do to prepare for it was most people weren't interested it's powerlifting is way off the charts kind of thing uh, it is a very very narrow narrow niche of the whole fitness uh, sphere uh, then what else? Uh, teach Judo classes for kids here on Saturday afternoons at the club. And we're starting an adult class on Monday evenings. Uh, and then my own training every couple hours. Uh, you train every? You don't train every day, do you? Oh, yeah. But six you do, six you, days a week. Do
1: you really? Yeah. You just take one day off? Yeah. See, my problem is probably more than like, well, I tend to overdo it. And I tend to get hurt because I overdo it. and. I'm getting to the stage now where I'm starting to understand how much to do even though I have well, three pull-up bars at I, home
0: I, I got a great guy I introduced you to okay. his, his personal training here yeah he'd be happy to help you out <laughs> and and for you I tell you what he'd give you <laughs> a discount, <laughs> you discount right? like, right twice what everybody else pays <laughs> 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 no and uh, and yeah I, uh, you know the the, the real return uh, for me personal training I matter of fact a lot of people I've talked to people who are like managers and banks and they want to give that up and be a personal trainer. <laughs> I just have to laugh. I said, you're 35 years old. You're a middle manager at a primary bank here. You've got a, you've got a family, three kids, and you're going to do a personal training like, so, just yeah, like okay. that? Boy, mm. I tell you what, I hope you've got some cash yeah, stashed yeah, away somewhere. You. you
1: have people that are going to pay you big
0: bucks. You yeah, know? I tell you what. So I said no. That's but okay. for somebody like myself, mm. uh, who is uh, reasonably uh, well off financially, I'm not really that worried. I have reserves that I can call upon. Uh, the real reward is, is, like I said before, people work out in order to uh, enhance their feelings of their own worth, their own value. And a lot of people, on one level, they recognize their value. On another level, they, it's
1: in doubt. We're always kind of questioning that because yeah. it's, it's a day-to-day thing.
0: No, yeah, it is. A day-to-day. It's not like
1: you don't have confidence. You say, "Okay, now you." It's not the Wizard of Oz. The guy comes behind the curtain and says, "Okay, now you have a brain. Now you have courage. <laughs> now you have a heart." That's not how it works. You're working on it every single
0: day. Every single. And, and I, I remember I was working, I was working with one guy a long time ago. A very good example of this. He's um, a prominent banker. A banker's banker. And uh, he came to me, and he said, I want to get in shape. So I trained him, and worked with him. we became good friends. And so we were going to run. We ran a lot. At that time, I was running a lot. And I said, well, you know, the Ome Marathon is coming up. It's 30 kilometers. Why don't you try this? That's a good idea. I'll do that. So we trained for it. So went out to Ome on the day. And he was sitting there, and he hadn't changed up. I said, what are you doing? He says, I can't do this. I said, what do you mean you can't do this? I said, you run better and longer and faster than I do. Of course you can do it, and I'm doing it. He says, I just don't think I can do this. What's wrong? Are you sick? Are you hurt? No, no. I said, I tell you what, Andy, stand up. Go someplace. If you do not run, I'm going to tie a rope around your neck and drag you along 30 kilometers. You're going to run that course. Believe me, you can do it. He says, well, yeah, I really think so. And He ran much faster than I did. And he changed his wife called me, he says, What did you do to this man? He's changed. I mean his staff recognized him. That that. He's Isn't that he's effervescent, he's he's lively, he's funny, he's happy. I said, Well you know, there are I'm sure that Andy is very, very secure in his knowledge about his profession, but that doesn't always translate to personal value. And I, I re- you know, the real reward of, of, of training people is you see that. I'm, working with a guy now who is is a great guy, and he's doing powerlifting, and he wants to enter this powerlifting contest, and I'm showing him some things that might be able to help it. And just just a great guy. And when he wins, and he's going to win this tournament, this contest, uh, he's going to be so enhanced. Uh, and, And people, that's what the whole thing about fitness and health is. Sure, it makes you healthy, and sure, it makes you fit. And sure, in many cases, it may prolong your life. But the real thing is it, 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 it increases the sense of your own worth. You don't have to look for any place else. It's not a third person verification of your value. You know because you went through the workout today. You lifted the weight. You lifted more than you did last week. Your land ran longer than you did last week. And now you are better and you know it. And so that will transfer to everything you do and all your relationships. And that's the value of helping people get to that point.
1: Chuck, end by telling me something you think of whenever you get in that spot, a phrase or something you tell yourself constantly that you really enjoy and you love, that makes you feel good about who you are.
0: Like everybody else, I'm assaulted by doubts. Uh, doubts Doubts about... Uh, I don't deal in regrets, not that woulda, coulda, shoulda kind of crap. I don't deal with that. Uh, What's done is done. The past belongs in the past. Uh, You can't move forward by looking backwards. But that being said, sometimes you get a little bit overwhelmed by the different things and the people that depend on you, people who look to you for guidance, people who look for health, and you get say, and you start, oh, you start feeling a little bit sorry for yourself, and then a little person in my head says, Wilson. Get off your dead ass! I said. You made this bed. You traveled this road. Get off your dead ass and get going. He f- wimp. <laughs> I kick myself in the ass because you, you need it. I need it. I need that. Nobody else tells me that. Nobody else. Tells in fact, a lot of people are are saying, "Oh, you're doing. You've done wonderful things. You're doing wonderful things." And all that stuff. They don't know me. They don't know. Me. They don't know the adults that I am assaulted with. They don't know my misgivings. They know they know, know, know the mistakes I've made. And yeah, I've, I've done a lot of stuff that's good. And uh, and I will continue to do that as long as I breathe. But that doesn't mean that every day is easy. You know, we all go through that. You know, you're going to have money in the bank to pay the bills. Okay, have you made these commitments to people? What about this? What about these things you've procrastinated on? You haven't done this. Come on, get off your dead ass and get to work. So you're talking mm-hmm. about chuck. Yep.
1: <laughs> As always, thank you so much. <laughs> My <Chuck>. pleasure. <laughs> I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast. Make sure you press like and subscribe. And never forget, it's all unknown, so continue to reach for the stars. Because you're too blessed to be stressed.